Welcome to Running Greenleaf, where we go through the nitty-gritty of operating real estate. Today, we've got a couple of cool topics that are very much impacting what we're doing on a daily basis. So let's jump into it. We're going to go over some prop tech issues and solutions that are out there right now, and it's how it's impacting uh, operating real estate, right? So a couple of things, you know, we we look at technology and there's always this push to adopt and adopt and adopt as much technology as possible. Sometimes it seems like it's good. Other times it seems like it's kind of just a giant pain in the butt. Right? Yeah, I remember when we started off in property management, we were literally going door to door, taking cash, going to the bank right afterwards and keeping kind of a, always a stash of cash in the back of the car for change and all that stuff. And it was mind blowing when we first onboarded Buildium and the people were paying online. But the, transition, but the transition from like a cash collection to pay online, that took months. You know, I remember we used to budget six months every time we took over a property to move. Yeah, we would, we would buy a property and one of the first business plans, like what are we going to do to operation and improve this would be to get everyone to pay online. So then it took time to get them to all do that. You know what you're making me remember right now? The first thing I remember about taking cash is five minutes after I got the cash, I would be getting in the car and going to the bank. <laughs> Yes, the driving back and forth to the bank. Oh, yeah. You know, we had 30 grand of the monthly collections in the back of your car. Yeah, oh, yeah, like, you were running. Yeah, yeah. I just did not want to leave any money in the office. I mean, for, forget, you know, with tenants yeah. and other people, but like, hey, the tenant's going to realize I just gave him a thousand bucks. I'm going to come back a little bit later and uh, see if I can get it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was a big, yeah. Paying online was huge. I mean, some of these technology solutions are very impactful to how you operate a business, but also there's others that seem like the sales pitch is, hey, implement this technology, charge your residents for this thing, and we'll take a scrape of it. And then I feel like as the operator, sometimes you get put in a situation where they expect you to be selling their product, and their product is the new uh, customer experience that your tenant has, and it's not necessarily positive but, but you also have to go back to what happened before that because what happened before that is you would have some piece of software running on the pc in your office that was completely disconnected from anything else and so somebody would this was before you know any sort of it's a while ago that's a while ago though well, it's 25 years ago was that i mean it was a while it's ago just quarter of a century but what, what, it, what it replaced is it replaced those systems that were not connected to anything and so when you had those systems that were not connected to anything i mean your business was a lot different so you couldn't do anything remotely you had no idea what your business was doing unless you were in the office but now you could do business any place your accounting system could is is accessible any place and in fact even for greenleaf now our accounting we have accountants all over the we have yeah. in two countries Three countries. Three. Yeah, I mean, we use everything that's internet enabled. But I think the things that have been positive, you know, that we were talking about a little bit before this was the online rent payments was, was big, right, where you can link a bank account, but also the MoneyGram structure. Walmart. Walmart. Yeah, so that solution, and that really started, started about like seven years ago. We got into that where we're having tenants be able to go to Walmart and pay at MoneyGram to pay their rent and link their account directly with MoneyGram. They really made a better customer experience. So a lot of times we have residents that are already there. It's one less thing they've got to do. Um, yeah. I mean, prior to that, it was either they would come to the office with the cash and we would tell them, we don't take cash, please open up a bank account. Some of the residents were unable to open a bank account due to their citizenship. And then um, the, the alternative was they go to money, they find some money order place, buy the money order, bring it to us. And then we have to basically scan it in like a check manually. So Walmart really cut out all those steps 
made it a place that they were going to anyways, and we were able to bring cash, turn into a money order that went directly into our account. Yeah. yeah, that was good. I think that's a positive, you know, prop tech solution for the customer experience. Yeah. Right. If we look at, you know, what's some, I mean, more positive things. Well, I mean, when something breaks. So yeah. when something breaks, instead of having to go to the office or call the office the next day, you're, you're yeah, just online maintenance requests where you can take a picture of what's broken and send it to people and you can get a response. Yeah. And you send Super it, like, helpful. The, you go to bed, the, the, you go to bed the night before and you, you, you put the maintenance ticket in and then you go to work the next yeah. morning. And then by the time you get home, it's fixed. And someone came in your room, your uh, apartment and fixed yeah. the whole thing. And, and, um, that has made the experience a little bit nicer, but back to your point today, I mean, there's, there's a charge for that and it's, it's, it's a little bit, it's, it's yeah, your software cost goes up as an operator. Right, because no, it's no longer but just I think a PC. There's a benefit. It's no longer just a PC in your office. It's this gigantic computer system, this data center that has a cost, and, and you know, there's a whole business yeah. behind that now. So some of these ones, so that are feel like are painful, is when we're we're taking our customer experience and it's being put in the hands of another organization that uh, then has an API that does something, but never really comes back fully connected. Uh, one we've kind of always shied away from was like was a uh, revenue management. Right. Yeah. So we, I mean, so revenue managers, you know, it's, it's this program that dictates your rental rates based on live data they're getting from the market. So it's not, it's constantly changing and it's not managed by the property manager or the people um, in the office. So when someone walks in and say, what's my, what's the rent, what, you know, what can I lease an apartment for? They have to basically update a screen, say, well, this is what it says. And the person said, well, I can't afford that. The person has to walk out the door. They have no. They have no options. Right. That's all they got. They've got. Yeah. This is what the machine said, and here's your number. And if you don't like it, oh well. And, and don't forget right. the following the following week. That person comes in the office. Their rent could have been a hundred dollars less because they came in. Just, it could be a totally different number. Yeah. So in that situation, the the, I know that the, the sales pitch there is that hey, implement this. You're going to get higher overall revenues, but also what you're going to get is a disconnected engagement between a potential resident or renewal and your yeah. team members who don't really know where, like, how is this number generated? I would, I I would not even know. say it's a disconnected engagement. I would say it's a poor engagement because it's yeah. a poor, you can't just call someone and say, Hey, what's the rent here? And it's going to be the same the next week as you quoted the week before. It's just that experience yeah. doesn't exist anymore. Cause I mean, when I was doing this, we had the same rents, like our rent would be one rent for one month. It'd be the same for the month. And then okay, yeah. maybe the next month we might change it a little bit, but not that much. And it was just a, people knew what the rent was. But if you're changing the rent every day and it's changing based on... It's hard some, to know. You know, something, yeah. something that happened. You know, it could, it could even change uh, for weird reasons that something happened that you had no control over or some apartment complex down the street did something a little Yeah, funky. it's all out of your control. Yeah. So you, your, your team has no idea really why these, these rates were picked. So that's one where you just got... You know, you've got a sales pitch that kind of makes sense, but sometimes the the full math problem of of how does it impact your operations, what is your customer experience, and what is what is the incremental gain from it, don't fully bet out. In me, our experience, the, the foundation to me has always been the customer experience. Are you providing a better customer experience than someone else? I mean, just that's yeah. what we do everywhere. We do it with investors. We do it with our vendors. We do it with our employees. Hopefully everybody's having a better experience here than they would with someone else. I mean, that's the whole game. So that's, yeah, I mean, we think about those. Those are the resident-facing technology ones. And there's all the, the software and technology that's kind of behind the scenes, right? That's all the, 
you know, embedded operational software that, I mean, it's helpful. How many how many different SaaS products are we subscribed yeah, we, to? We have um, about fifty. Fifty, and that's that's probably down. It's down. We've been right. working on our technology as a whole to like reduce the number of pure software applications we have. Um, but yeah, we've got about fifty. Everything from computer management to property management software to our virtual phone lines, all that kind and of. And we stuff. made some pretty good progress on some of them, like reducing costs, like by. 20% of what they used yeah. to be. So if we had a $5,000 yeah. a year expense, we've reduced it to $1,000 a year. Yeah. Just by We're working on it all. Yeah, it's like, it's something that's kind of, it's like a whack-a-mole game. There's always one that's popping up and now more expensive. And, and this year, I, we, we probably touched base on before, but like DocuSign was a big one where we're spending, you know, $14,000 a year for like 12 seats on DocuSign. It's like, that's it's just... a lot of money, yeah. Yeah, it's, that, that's... When DocuSign was like a hundred bucks a month, maybe when we first started using it, we we've been using DocuSign for almost ten years, and now it's like, okay, hey, they're pricing us out. We've I thought got it was free until like you told me this. Last <laughs> you week, thought so. it was free. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's great. It's, free. it's like it's such a simple <laughs> technology, and it's embedded, and in, in they've been able to just increase their cost dramatically. So yeah, I mean, Adobe is another great example of that. It's I again, I thought it was free forever, and then uh, we realized we, you know, we can't. Yeah, we're spending thousands of dollars on, it, so we have to. You know, we're canceling all of our Adobe license stuff because it's just cheaper to use. We're using Nitro PDF, which is a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. You know, we've kind of constantly got to be on top of those costs as they just creep up in how you're executing a business. Um, every renewal is tricky. But ultimately, one of the things we, talk, we were talking about earlier is like, is the software helping instill confidence in our customer, our employees, our investors, or is it, or is it taking that away? And so yeah. the example of the Walmart MoneyGram, by bringing these two ginormous brands under our umbrella, Walmart and MoneyGram, aligned with Greenleaf that were accepting payments, you know, that, that insulted a lot of cu- customer confidence versus, you know, some like the revenue management example. It just it removed confidence from our employee and removed cost, co- confidence from our customer and ultimately our business because we couldn't even tell you if, if, our, if an investor asked us, what do you rent that apartment for? We had no idea. We would have had no idea if we ever used it. We didn't. Yeah, we could never get around. We, you know, right. we did the full math equation on the impact, and we just couldn't get there with it. Because, yeah, they come to you and ask, hey, what are your rents? You're like, I don't know. I got to, I don't know. It's like, well, how, what kind of answer is I don't know? <laughs> I don't think any manager is like, hey, what, what's the answer to this? I don't, just don't know. It's like, right. okay. I got to remember that. Yeah. We just have to be able to answer the question. Yeah. <laughs> Having some kind of answer is, yeah, is, yeah. is good. But, yeah, so that's one, you know. It's got to be a positive experience that's coming out for the for the stakeholders in your business if you're going to use software and, and it can pretty quickly be negative experience and you not fully realize it. Yeah, like even yeah. our Google. Email yeah, Google seats. Google did that with us. So Google, yeah. uh, we've been using Google products since we first started the business. You know, we never had a legacy email provider. We were always with Google, and recently Google sold their billing of their Gmail suites to a company called Upcurve, or they I hired Upcurve or whatever, but. Upcurve then changed. It used to be you'd pay for however many email addresses you had monthly, and Upcurve was like, hey, we can fix this. We'll just charge it for the year. So you sign up for a year with the email address, and even if you don't use it or you shut it off, you still got to pay the uh, annual amount. It's not like a month-by-month contract anymore. So now you kind of – our experience in operating with Google is we have email addresses we've canceled that we still have to pay for for 11 more months, whether you use it or not. Well, our experience then became – a worse experience rather than an improved yeah. experience there. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, it and, became worse because of that. And they don't, do they care? I don't know if they care. They, no, because they're not. Because it's back to, well, a little bit of a monopoly. 
maybe you can call that. I mean, there's how many email? Yeah, providers I mean, it's still are, pretty easy, but yeah, it's like yeah, there's there's Microsoft, like, oh, there's there's Google. Why are they taking advantage of that? How many email providers are there that could handle like oh, fast email? But moving is hard. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. moving is very hard. <laughs> yeah, but so yeah, maybe there's a Nitro uh, email tool. Nitro email, email provider. <laughs> I think you know people make solutions that are significantly cheaper and do pretty much the same thing. I you know then it's it's going to have to be time to move over to any of those kind of right. solutions. I want to be on vacation when you guys move email providers. When we move email providers? <laughs> yeah, yeah so I think. So could you just give me a little bit of warning on I that I think one. everyone wants to be on vacation <laughs> if we're going to move email providers. <laughs> Everyone's like, how do we take that? How do we take that time frame off? Oh, yeah, and well, it's an important point because when we migrate off of one tool to the other, we're experiencing this right now, but when you migrate off these tools, they don't want you to migrate off them, so they don't necessarily make it easy for you to migrate off them either. No, yeah, no. And so, like, when, when you have one tool that you're using, like, like a DocuSign, they're counting on the fact that it's just too painful to move and you don't want to go through that pain. Yeah. And that, that's part of their, I mean, that's part of the business. Yeah, that's what makes it sticky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you've got to, I mean, you've got to be open as a business and be like, look, there's going to be challenges. You've got to, you've got to go through them to save that money. Right, we're yeah. going to have this pain point to go yeah. through that new system, but, you know, it's going to cost us this much pain with this much benefit at the end. Yeah, and it's, kind of a, it's a little bit of a principle too. Oh yeah, when you're held hostage by a software oh, provider, yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Forget it. yeah, because we've we've been held hostage yeah, by some yeah. software but, providers. Yeah. So it's kind of let's go to the next one. We're, we've been looking at uh, apartment deals, right? We've we've had a little bit more time because there's less deals kind of out there in the market as a whole. But we've been looking at some apartment deals. It's been pretty interesting as we kind of go through and and again going back to saying you're trusting the math and putting putting everything into the math and making sure the numbers actually work. And, uh, and also, uh, not only trusting that, but understanding, you know, early, early on we were buying apartments and we were turning them around. We knew what we could control and, which was, and what we could not control. Uh, the literal way we show that is in controllable and non-controllable expenses. The less literal way is like, you know, if rents are 600 and we know the market's, say, 1,000, we know that we can go, you know, by upgrading the units, by making them nicer, we can get rents higher. When we're looking at, at some of these new deals, like the one that we looked at recently, Revenue per unit per year was $14,000 and expenses were $12,000. And we went through and kind of nitpicked all the expenses and everything, all the expenses were really right on track, except for the non-controllables, which were off the charts, which were property taxes and insurance. And it, it just blew the whole deal up. It was a 90, 90% expense ratio deal. There was nothing we can really do about it. And, you know, what do you do with a deal like that? Yeah, so not only, I mean, we, we've, we've hammered on taxes and insurance being higher and higher and higher, you know, that's, that's not changing. But then it's also the, all the operational costs that are leading into that and getting to, you know, 90 plus expense ratios where we look at a deal and we underwrite it, we put our numbers in, in place and we're getting four basis points of cash flow. Not 40 or not 400. Here four. it is. You ready for this one? We're going to start a property tax-free state in the U.S. What do you guys think of that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that called Puerto Rico? Yeah. We need to move the business to Puerto Rico. I, I think it's income tax. I don't know where the property That's tax. Is. Federal, oh yeah, that, yeah. Does, does Puerto the, Rico not have property tax? I'm assuming they have property tax. I don't know. Usually, the states without income tax have really high property taxes, like Texas and Florida. Yeah. No, but Florida's a tax-free state. <laughs> Let's not go there. Oh, the fans. <laughs> not, not, you know, oh, I, the fans I, of Florida. I have property taxes and property insurance to pay in Florida right now. And I could tell you it is not 
an income tax-free state. <laughs> the income tax is taken yeah. out in your insurance, property taxes, and, and, and so on. So this whole thing, when people start yeah. to go on this income tax-free state, it's not an income tax-free state. It's just taxed differently. Differently. Yeah. Yes. But no, yes. I mean, the margins, We just looking at multifamily deals that are out there right now, the margins are, are super compressed. Yeah, and, and we're actually seeing a good amount with assumable debt, with decent terms on the debt. It's just the debt is so high, the interest cost is so high, that there's no room to work with it. And what was the metric yeah. you gave? It was a gross revenue of this top line number, and at the end, the cash flow was, what was the number you gave? Yeah. Was, we got to like four basis points, literally four basis points. But it was just like a, it was not even like it's a, like it's just less than a 1% return on your actual oh, yeah. cash, like less than 1%. So it's, you might as well just put your money in the bank, take the, take the, take the money and put it it's in just the tough. CD. You can put it under your mattress. Only. You could put it under your mattress yeah. and you do better. You wouldn't have the risk. You wouldn't have the risk. You wouldn't have the risk. So you can make more money with the, the cash on your we mattress. We could go into the math debate of what the risk is <laughs> of having your money under your mattress, but yeah. your risk might be higher doing that. <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, this margins just being super tight. I, over the past, uh, let's say, like five years, that kind of um, lesser fool strategy of there's a lot of just flipping in the multifamily space of you buy something, do a little bit of something to it, and then sell, sell it to the, sell next, it to the next person. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't tell, you shouldn't put this on a video because somebody might. I think I, I think that was pretty well known. <laughs> I don't think that's a, I don't think that is any kind of secret. So they won't be watching this video. Yeah, there's no secret saying. sauce behind that one. I mean, that's why you're seeing apartment deals that would be held for six months at a time. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, we we've always been long term holders, and that and that's our goal, and that's kind of our investment philosophy. But that six month hold period, you know, a lot can go right, a lot can go wrong uh, in a short period of time, and and I think some of that's just getting caught up right now. I'm not sure what's going to happen on on some of the deals where it's, it's purely just a break-even play, um, it's going to be hard to get out of. So, so, so something more fun. Aaron's ta- uh, Andrew's taking a big trip soon. I am taking a big trip soon. He's uh, going to miss, uh, miss all the trip. deal underwriting. You're going to miss ski trip. You're going to miss all the deal underwriting. Uh, you're going to miss our investment committee meeting because you're going to be running in one giant circle. Yeah, honestly, the, I'm going to miss Lee the most if you're there watch, Lee watching this. But... <laughs> Um, so the the world majors of of uh, marathon running. Yes. Yeah, so I am about to do my fourth uh, Abbott World Majors marathon in Tokyo um, in on March third, two Sundays from now. Amazing. Which ones have you done? So I've already done Chicago, New York, Berlin. Tokyo will be my fourth, and then six weeks later, oh, yeah. Dave and I. Are going to be in London. Both, yeah. I'll get number one. <laughs> Doing the London marathon. I'll have some catching up to do after that. <laughs> and so then I'll tell you what, Dave, you and I could do Boston together. You can get Boston out of the way. Boston I, Marathon. I don't know if you look at marathons as like, yeah, we'll just get that one out of the way. <laughs> they're kind of things to do and like the checklist of like, hey, let's go do stuff that's fun yeah. in life and do it. But jo- Josh, there's still this thing like I've been training my butt off for doing running a lot and training for this marathon. And Dave has been running like two or three miles every once with a, a week. With a beer in his hand. And then with a beer in his hand and he's going to pass me. I, yeah. I ran three Tokyo. miles last night. How many miles? Three. Three? Okay. So he's going he's gonna to have a beer in his hand yep. and pass me in London. Yeah. He'll probably throw it at you. Yeah, my throw, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah, probably yeah. be arguing with myself in my head of like, why is this software company charging me yeah. so <laughs> freaking service that I don't think I should have to pay for that's embedded in our business. I, so, I, I called him hiking last week. He's like, he's hiking up with skis on his back. And we started talking about something that we were both frustrated about. About five minutes later, he's like, oh, crap, I, I made it to the top. He's like, 
that made it go by really fast. I should get angry more often. <laughs> you can just pound away at it then. No, but that's exciting. What's, what's your estimated time? Well, Berlin, end of last year, was a 4.32, and I'll be happy if I just beat 4.32. Just beat that? Yeah. So it's still a, it's an okay time. It's not the super slow. It's not the super fast. So I'm kind of liking that. Between that 33rd percentile and the 50th percentile of people who run marathons. So, you know, top half. Will they let you just sneak all the way to the front and, like, take off out of the gates so you're, like, winning for the first 20 feet? I won't win for the first 20 feet because you know who's at the front line. Yeah, like Kipchoge and the guys who actually, like, do two-hour marathons. So I'll be able to, like, be ahead of them for, like, five steps, and then I'll be out of breath, and then they'll be ahead of me. I mean, these guys run two-hour marathons. If I'm running a four-hour marathon, these guys are running a two-hour marathon. Yeah, but... Yeah, I mean, I mean, last year the female winner of Tokyo was two sixteen, the male winner was two oh six. I mean, maybe I could, you can fall somewhere in the middle. I could do a two hour marathon <laughs> if I wanted to. I just don't. I just don't want to. Oh, it's so that's, 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 that's yeah. a desire. That's yeah, 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 I just don't want it. to. So just so you know, just to be clear. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so so back to the real estate business. <laughs> yeah. So let, let's talk a little bit about leasing, too. I mean, we've been doing a lot of leasing lately. Um, our business model is always doing some kind of value add. Right, we're always trying to find some creative way to make something happen on a piece of real estate. A lot of what we're doing lately is leasing, and we've seen a big difference between big spaces and little spaces. Yeah, so uh, s- small spaces are under 10,000 square feet. Big spaces are larger than that. We're, we're seeing that as, as long as the space is moving ready, give or take under 10,000 square feet, really the sweet spot in the kind of like three to 6,000 square feet range, these things are just leasing. They're staying full. Yes, there's turnover. You know, they're signing three to five year leases, and they might not renew. But as long yeah. as it's moving ready, we have we have people ready to come backfill that. And there's really not a whole lot of TI and improvement dollars needed. Turnover costs or downtime or or even free rent, as they're just coming and taking the space as is. Yeah. So, um, I mean, a good example is our Graham property. We have five suites there, and. I th- I'm crossing my fingers, but right now we have three of the five suites leased. We're negotiating the last two, and none of them require a build-out, meaning that all five tenants are taking it with really just power and operating air- HVAC. And that's yeah. it. They're, they don't want they they want open, flexible space. They can move desk in, and so in it's 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 really going great. Yeah. And that total building is twenty-two thousand square feet over five suites with a hallway. Right. So you've got smaller. Stuff that's in there. So when did um, when did we start leasing that? About nine so, months ago. Yeah, so five suites, at least a couple of times. You know, overall, we've got about 500 tenants. Our average square footage is under 4,000 per tenant. So a lot of these smaller ones are, you know, we're seeing traction like that. It's the bigger ones where run into hurdles, mm-hmm. right? A lot of the bigger ones we're seeing are they want substantial TI packages, um, They've I mean, just got a lot of moving parts. I mean, they're, they're paying seven figures of rent a year, some of our biggest ones. And so there's a lot of discussions, a lot of approvals. There's a lot of uh, guarantees that are going on in that kind of rent payment. Yeah. So it, it makes sense. It's fair. Yeah, we have one that's up in Raleigh that we've spent over a year negotiating for, you know, it's over 10,000 square feet, but we've spent over a year negotiating. It's going to take us another probably four to five months to do all the TI build-out work and stuff. So it's... It's a very lengthy process. When we look at you know, some of the factors that go into stabilizers in a real estate deal, speed is, you know, I think that's probably one of the most important things. Most important factors is speed and getting there. 
that's speed to get the construction done, speed to get at least all that stuff, the faster you can get any of that stuff done, the faster you're going to get to a, a point where you're operating versus not operating. So speed is paramount. Right. And, and when, when you're doing these bigger spaces, you're dealing with a bigger company that moves slower, that has multiple approval processes. When you're dealing with the, uh, the plumber, who's, you're talking to the owner and his wife about leasing the space, it happens pretty quickly. And so I'm assuming you'd rather deal with the plumber and his wife rather than some major government yeah, institution. Yeah, our organization, right? That's who, who it's easier us. for us to work with. Yeah, right. Yeah. It kind of piggybacks on that software conversation of like, we want to have the relationship with the tenant that's going to be using our space uh, and be able to be just clear and direct and say like, look, this is where we're at. How can we move forwards on it? It's hard to do as you add in, <laughs> as you add in APIs or as you add in layers <laughs> of organizations, it just slows down all that stuff and it makes it hard to, uh, hard to execute a business plan. Well, for one of your, uh, one of the properties we rented least recently, the, you said the, um, was the, the real estate people had to fly down from another state to talk to you. Yeah, that one we're you. on, that is almost seven months we've been working on one lease. Uh, Crazy. It's a lot of time. Yeah. You got a lot of time and energy and effort that goes into stuff, which, which is fine. It, it's more square feet, but it's just, man, if you can just have some of the more direct conversations and, and, be quick to get the ball occupied and, and, you know, quick to move. I think it's a better investment position to be in. And from your consulting days, maybe we should make those hourly consulting gigs because every time they come down here and talk about real estate, we can bill them an hourly consulting fee. We try that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but a, a good example of one of these small tenants, so we, we, we have a building right here in Peachtree Corners that, um, has, that had a, a vacant suite. We've shown it a couple of times to larger companies. They they dragged their fee. It was lots of discussion. It's been about vacant for about nine months now. And recently we had someone come up in the last 30 days. They wanted to put like a car simulator, like right, play video games, but in a car simulator. Um, within 30 days, we basically agreed upon an LOI, signed a lease, and they're really moving in, in within 30 days and it's starting to pay rent immediately. So um, it's it's just it's yeah. exciting to see that action and movement. It builds a lot of confidence with the team. And then, you know, the operations and the investors in the deal. Yep. It's a much better outcome. And by the way, I watched Gran Turismo. The, I think it was filmed. The movie? It, yeah, the movie. It was, it's on Netflix. It was 2023. It's from, it told the story about like sim drivers, the best sim drivers in the world. They put into real cars and put into the circuit. Really, really cool movie. But anyways, that's what he's basically doing is simulated yeah. driving. Yeah. It's pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you'll be an F1 driver yeah, maybe. one day. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, well, that's what we're seeing in the market right now. Um, hope it's helpful. We're going to get back to work, though. We've got a bunch of, we got a bunch of software contracts. We've got to go re- renegotiate <laughs> this week. That's where we're going. We've got to go on month eight and month nine of those, yeah. those lease negotiations now, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. Sounds good. See you later, everyone. Bye. For more tips on operating and investing in real estate, please check us out at greenleafmanagement.com or find us on YouTube and Spotify.